0: There's this little thing that you do every single day, just a small part of your day. Really? I'm kidding. It's actually a huge part of your day and that is homeschooling. So why, when it comes to homeschooling and educating our children, why do we think it's okay to ignore if our child is not paying attention? The goal should not be to merely just get through the material, the curriculum, the plans, the list of things that you feel that you have to do, or to just simply check off another day. When we do that, we're just actually modeling the school system and you are home educating. You have decided not to model that system. And you have decided to educate your children at home in a family atmosphere. And when it comes to that, sometimes we can look over and see our kids staring off into the distance, not paying attention. And it can feel really frustrating. Today, I'm going to give you five ways to keep them engaged. And while we're at it mama let's deepen those relationships with our children and love these years we get to pour into them if you're ready to create beauty seek simplicity and live intentionally homeschool mama then close out that lesson book let the kids go play and let's have an authentic conversation you have been around your child long enough to know when they are zoning out Even if this is your first year of homeschool, you can recognize when there's just nothing there. You're like, hello, anybody home? They're not paying attention. You've completely lost them. And we recognize and see this in homeschool day after day after day. And I actually had my 18 year old recently say to me something we were just joking and talking about stuff and my younger kiddo might've been there too. And he's like, no, I don't have a problem with education. I just didn't like school. And I was like, ooh, that kind of hit me because I know that I am actually guilty of this as well, unfortunately. But let me just give you this glimmer of hope. It still turns out okay. So I'm guilty of this. And I remember putting so much effort into the homeschool, I was so excited about it. And every Sunday I would sit down and I would do some prep for the week. And there was just high hopes and expectations and so much I was looking forward to and a lot of planning and just like, yeah, this is going to be a really good week. We're going to have some really good days. And then only to find that my kids, and I will add this, mostly my boys, not even paying attention And they were not even being able to recall anything afterwards. Now, I'm not into big into quizzing and, you know, what did you learn today? That's too big of a question for kids. But even with promptings, they just didn't even, they they weren't engaged. And that's the point of what I want to talk to you about today is not just being able to memorize facts and regurgitate them. Because again, that's school. And knowing that we as a homeschool mom, you and I, We can't teach them everything. You can't teach them everything there is to know. So that's okay. None of us can. Hopefully that lifts a weight off of your shoulders. Your goal needs to be to give them a sampling of things and lay that foundation. So today I want to talk to you about this five ways that I have discovered to keep kids engaged in your homeschool and in your lessons and having them pay attention Because what I find is that when you put so much time and effort into it and you're so focused, and this is so important to you to carry through with your plans when it comes to homeschool, and then they're not paying attention. They can't remember anything that you did. It's as if nothing even happened that day. And it leads to... Frustration for you, it can lead to anger, and it can most definitely lead to burnout. And my hope is that today, this podcast episode is something that you recall, (laughs) that you are engaged, that you remember afterwards, and are able to start applying some of these different ways today. And if not today, maybe tomorrow. Okay, maybe grab a pen and paper, write these down, and maybe it's just one or two that really sticks out to you, and you just start doing those. This, sometimes it can feel overwhelming when you're given a list and it's okay to just start with one and then make your way through it. That you're making, you're making changes. You're making progress. You're making a difference here. So it doesn't matter if you start with one or you start with all five. Okay. So number one that I have is to respect their age. If you have a five-year-old, you need to respect the age that they are five and they're going to be engaged to the level that a five-year-old can be. Now, there can be a spectrum of maturity and interest in different subjects. And then if you have a 10-year-old, you're going to expect them to be engaged and paying attention as a 10-year-old, not as a 15-year-old, because then when they're 15, you're going to expect 15. Now, recently I heard something, and I don't know the studies. I don't know how, you know, how much to base this upon. And so it just might kind of put a little bit of a bug in your ear and give you a way of thinking about it. So they were saying that to find out what an attention span is for a child is to take their age, add one to it, and then add the word minutes. And that is their attention span. So if you have a six-year-old and you add one minute, they have about a seven-minute attention span. And you're like, well, that's not very long. It actually can be pretty long. If you are really focused in on maybe one subject, you can accomplish a lot in seven minutes a lot more than than you think that you can. So that means the moral of this story is that short lessons, if you plan long lessons, you're wasting your time. After the seven minutes, your kid is clocked out, they're zoned out, they're not paying attention, and you are wasting. If you have a 15-minute lesson planned and they have maybe a seven-minute attention span, those last eight minutes are just a waste. What if instead you had a 15-minute lesson or you knew something was going to take 15 minutes and you just did seven minutes and then the next day maybe you stretched it to the eight minutes and you got the full the full lesson in or maybe it's seven minutes and then you pick back up on it a little bit later in the day And you add in the rest of the time and you then have your entire lesson. So I'm thinking of maybe history. Maybe it's a history lesson. Maybe it's a certain curriculum, a certain book that you're following, and you just do part of it. And then you do part of it later in the day or the next day or the next time that you get around to doing your history. So the number one here is to respect their age and to keep that in mind. Along with that, again, is to also be conscientious of their maturity as well. Number two is to choose engaging and interesting curriculum and resources. Whatever it is you use, whether it's curriculum or just different resources, videos or a hodgepodge, choose ones that are engaging. Don't choose the boring ones. This is when it pays off to really know your kids and to know what is going to be interesting and engaging for them. One idea, something that I did with my kiddos when we did family style um, science, I would give them some options. What do you guys want to study from these couple of books and let them choose? Sometimes they didn't see eye to eye. We would maybe take turns choosing which one we were going to do, but allowing them to pick instead of me saying, we are going to study botany and nobody is interested in it, but they all would be interested in, say, land animals. If you're familiar with Apologia Science, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Go ahead, ditch the botany. They'll learn about the plants and and all of those things at some point. But do the land animals, so that they are engaged and they're interested in what you are doing. Don't just pick things just because somebody else used it, or somebody online says that you're they're using a certain math curriculum, or your sister-in-law tells you that she's using this math curriculum. I'm not saying not to look at it. I'd definitely take a look at it. But if you're saying this is not going to hold their attention, there is going to be more frustration. There is going to be more combativeness. There's going I'm just going to lose them. Then it's not worth doing. Maybe it's a wonderful program and it might be something to just put on the shelf for right now and then to do it later on down the road. So number two is to choose engaging and interesting curriculum and resources. The third way that I have for you to keep your kiddo engaged in your home education is to change up the location. Maybe you have a homeschool room. Maybe you don't have a homeschool room. Maybe there's somewhere that you just always are doing your formal academics. And after a while, they just kind of start zoning out much sooner it's because the area maybe isn't refreshing and it doesn't mean that it's a bad place. It doesn't mean that your central hub for your homeschool is necessarily someplace that you need to completely change up. And I did do an episode. I'm pretty sure I did. I will drop it in the show notes if I did about how to set up a homeschool area and one that's going to serve your family for this homeschool year but change up the location. Maybe you usually sit at the dining room table, or maybe you have a formal homeschool area, or maybe you sit in the living room and you're just noticing that your kiddos are becoming just, they're, they're disengaging, they're not paying attention, they are becoming more resistant to conversations and to reading and to learning and to the lessons sooner than they had been. Well, maybe the location isn't very fresh for them if it is still nice weather where you are, take the lessons outside. This is something I love to do in the fall and in the spring. And I'll sometimes even hear we're doing morning time just the other day outside. And my kid was like, it's a little cold out. I was like, well, grab a sweatshirt. <laughs> There's the solution. I was like, anytime we can get outside, especially outside, outside perks, everybody up the fresh air, especially if it's a little bit cool can really be refreshing. And I just have found for my kids is doing out going outside. And sometimes you can think, oh, that's, that'll be distracting. Well, maybe to a degree, they're watching the, the squirrels and stuff. And they might not be 100% paying attention, but they're paying attention enough. It's So fun and actually funny when a kiddo actually answers a question and you have no idea that they are paying attention. I was listening to a podcast at some point this fall while we were outside working on the um, project that we had going on outside, scraping and repainting our house. And one of the podcast episodes was talking about when you don't really think kids are paying attention. And the story was about how a pastor was preaching a sermon and he asked a rhetorical question and most kids don't understand rhetorical questions. And there was a young child in the service who did not appear to the parents as if they were paying attention. They were just, they they weren't being, they weren't causing a ruckus or anything. They were just sitting there drawing or coloring or something. And the pastor asked a rhetorical question and this child just answered out loud in the middle of the sermon. So that was, that's actually pretty funny. And I feel like I've been at church services and that has kind of happened. And it doesn't mean that you can sometimes think a child isn't paying attention and they actually are. And so being outside is a really great way. And I don't promote a lot of multitasking because I don't think that we can do multiple things really well. But watching a couple of squirrels running around in the leaves while you're reading a history lesson or you're doing a read aloud, or you're reading poetry, or you're talking about a science experiment doesn't mean that they are not paying attention. They might actually surprise you With the fact that they're kind of engaged in something else and, but they're actually also listening. So I highly, highly, highly suggest changing up the location, get a little bit of fresh air. Maybe it's a little bit stuffy in the room that you're in, open up the windows, move to a different room, go outside if you can. And you might notice a big difference in how much they are engaging. I would keep things moving with my kids. They could do some of their stuff at like our home base, if we had a homeschool room or a homeschool kind of location, but then we would do morning time in the living room together. We'd go outside. And I found that by keeping us moving to a certain degree, refreshed our brains and got us a bit more on track, which leads a little bit into number four, and that is hands-on learning. And we can talk a lot about hands-on learning and being at home, but I want to tie in something different when I talk about hands-on learning. And I want to talk about field trips, because these are some of the best ways to actually learn something, especially when it comes to history and science, when you can go to historical sites or locations, or you can just be where something has happened, or when it comes to science, getting out there, maybe going Uh, somewhere on a field trip somewhere that maybe I don't know it could be with whatever that they study science there or it's outside in nature when we can get out to those places those are the things that your kids are going to remember those lessons even more and the way that you can tie it in think about this you go somewhere on a field trip maybe it's a nature hike maybe it is to A fort from the Revolutionary War, or maybe it is a science laboratory. And then you come home and you can do your own follow up. So, even let's say, for example, you go to a zoo and you see a lot of animals, and then you come home, you can do a follow up. Listen to what your kids are talking about. Maybe they're talking a lot about the elephants or the lions. Maybe they're talking about the penguins. And you can then create your own type of lessons. I know sometimes we can be a little bit worried about how can we really do that. Check out some books from the library, watch some videos on YouTube, do some type of follow-up, have them draw some pictures. If they're able to write and formulate things, have them do a little bit of writing about it. So this is all, that's also part of hands-on learning because they went and they saw and they experienced something And then afterwards, you can do more of a follow-up. Sometimes we feel like with field trips that we have to do a lot of work beforehand. And sometimes when we do go places, it can be really beneficial to do some type of research and to do some type of studying beforehand so they fully understand what they are seeing and what they are experiencing But don't forget about the back end of that when you come home. And I'm not saying that day, because we know that on a field trip day, we come home, usually everybody is done with the day. I'm talking about the day after and the following days afterwards, talking about it more and discovering and going deeper into things that they are really interested in when it comes to your field trip. And the last thing I want to mention, the last way to keep your child engaged in your homeschool plans and your homeschool lessons and the resources and all the amazing things that you have created. And if you are struggling, if this is an area you're struggling with creating and, and finding those amazing resources that are going to align with you, this is what we get to do together and clarify your homeschool. And maybe you find some resources that you're like, these are amazing And then you actually start to do them and you're like, this is not the right fit for us. We get to do that together also and clarify your homeschool. But number five is that I want you as the homeschool mom to be excited about learning, be excited about homeschooling. I know that it can feel overwhelming. I know that as the homeschool year goes on, the novelty and the freshness of it starts to wear off on us and we start to think about all the other things that maybe we could be doing with our time and we begin to become just more lackadaisical, we'll say, when it comes to getting our, the great plans and the resources that we want to actually use. If you're not excited about your homeschool, then your kids aren't going to be excited about it. If you are not excited about learning, then your kids aren't going to be excited about learning. Now, maybe you are studying something with them that they're really interested in. So let's go back to the science. They chose the land animals. And maybe you know a lot about these because your kids are young and it's just very basic. And you know a lot about these land animals and you're not really learning a lot of new things. Well, still, still be excited. For them because of their excitement, but let them also see that you're learning new things on your own too. Maybe you're learning some new recipes in the kitchen, or maybe you're learning some new way of decorating. Maybe you're learning some, uh, in a Bible study or diving into a certain book of the Bible that you've never studied. Let them see that you are excited to learn because that Right there will catch on with them. But while you are actually doing some lessons with them, you're doing the formal academics that you feel is the right fit for your family. If you're just reading it, yawning, kind of falling asleep, bored to death, that conveys to them that we just have to do this and have to get through it so mom can check off that day on her box and then we get to go ahead and go and play. But the point, the goal is that we want our kids, you, I know you do, you want your kids to love learning and to create, you want to create that love of learning in them so that you know, when you have that love of learning, the learning never stops. I feel like you probably are feeling like I am as well. Let's create this next generation. Now, my kids are a little bit older. They're probably, I think they're considered Gen Z. Is that it? Like the tail end of it would be my youngest, and I don't even know what the next generation and the next generation is called. But let's create something different. Let's make a turnaround. I'm trying to make a turnaround here with Gen Z. And if you're part of Gen Z, no offense or anything, just as a whole. I mean, I'm a Gen X. And there were so many stereotypes, and I'm like, that's not really me at all. Now, as I've gotten older, I'm like, yeah, okay, that's kind of how I do approach things. <laughs> it is kind of funny when you see just, you know, reels and, and things like that on Instagram. You're like, oh, mm-hmm, yep, that's how I would approach it. But I'm focused on raising kids that are going to be different in Gen Z. You focus on raising your kiddos that are going to be different. In their generations, let them be the ones that are making this shift and this change where school isn't necessarily what we see as the only way to education. That we can do this on our own and make this shift and this excitement to be able to learn about this amazing world that God has created and to be able to make an impact in the lives of those that are around our children as they get older. And you get to be a part of that. And your excitement for that is something that will take hold. They will catch on to that and it will continue. So what do you think? I feel like these five ways are pretty doable. Let's go over them one more time real quick. Number one is to respect their age. Two is to choose engaging and interesting curriculum and resources. Number three was to change up the location Number four is to focus on hands on learning, and I put an emphasis upon field trips and then the follow up afterwards. And number five is for you as the homeschool mom to be excited about learning and about education. I sure hope that this has blessed you and this has given you like a little like pep in your step. Like, yes, we're going to make a change. We're going to make a difference in the lives of our children. And now that you kind of know what you're looking for and not wanting to ignore your kiddos zoning off anymore and zoning out, I mean, and saying you know what we're going to make some changes here and we're going to grow this just build this fire within them for learning and for education and if you are sitting there right now completely stumped and you are feeling overwhelmed by this process i really hope to see you over and clarify your homeschool because we're going to work together on all of this and so much more and you'll walk away from Clarifier Homeschool. You never have to walk away. You can stay in it for a very, very, very long time. I have really enjoyed the moms that have been in for a few years and being able to watch their growth and watch their change. But together we will work on one of the huge things is de-schooling and All of this right here is a part of de-schooling and it can take a long time for some of us to de-school. I still have flashbacks to things. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to think differently. We're not in school anymore. And that is a huge component of Clarify Your Homeschool and just changing the mindset and the approach that you have when it comes to educating your children at home. It's so important. And that is really the basis of Clarify Your Homeschool and the ability to make that shift and that change and to create the homeschool that is going to be amazing for you and your family. You can get all of the details about it at com. And I am so thankful that you popped into a little Island homeschool podcast today.